welcome to the Getting Into Good Trouble podcast, where we talk about the struggles to teach you the trouble. Each week, we find an active global conflict and break it down for you. This week, we are talking about the current protests against femicide in Ecuador. At 1.30 a.m. September 11, 2022, a 34-year-old lawyer, mother, and daughter walked into a local police academy where her husband worked. He was working a late-night shift and needed something to eat, so he called his wife to pick something up for him. Events took place in Quito, the capital of Ecuador. Three days later, Maria's remains were found five kilometers away from the academy at Castiga Volcano. This event rocked Ecuador, completely taking over the local news stations. After investigation, the police came to the conclusion that her husband was the main suspect in this case. Once he knew this, he ran away. The government then offered a reward of $20,000 for the capture of Ms. Bernal's husband. According to the UN, 65 out of 100 Ecuadorian women have faced some form of gender-based violence in their lifetime. Protesters are upset by the fact that the main suspect, Bernal's missing husband, is an officer in charge of training new cadets especially during a year that is reported to be one of the deadliest years for women in Ecuador. Ecuadorian women are fearing for their lives and marching for change with signs saying phrases like, look at me carefully because I could be the next, and chanting, we want to live. A majority of protests took place throughout the streets of Quito, as well as in other parts of Ecuador. Absolutely. In fact, We Want to Live was painted on the police headquarters in Quito. The building was covered in eggs and red and yellow paint. Police responded to the protesters with riot control. The protesters, in retaliation, made signs reading murderous police. They also threw red paint at them. On the Ecuadorian flag, the color red symbolizes the bloodshed of heroes during the War of Freedom. In Ecuador, femicide is punishable by 22 to 26 years in prison. People everywhere are complaining about how short someone's sentence is feeling that hundreds of victims aren't getting the justice they deserve. So I was looking into it, and there's a link of sorts between the crime spikes and the femicide spikes. Cameron, would you like to speak more on that? Of course. So we can see an obvious spike in femicide rates in 2017 with 153 cases that year. However, only a year later, in 2018, we can see that the crime rate in Ecuador drastically increased. That's actually really interesting because the crime had been at a pretty steady decline since 2012. I know, but in 2018, the decline lost almost all its progress due to several policies put in place to change the state security system. Hey, Caleb, could you tell us a little bit more about the 2018 policies? Yeah. For sure. So for many years, the Ecuadorian justice system has been plagued by corruption in police and political meddling. There's been some attempts at reform, but most were unsuccessful. In 2018, the Ministry of Justice was was abolished when the idea of completely redoing the system in favor for an institution with accountability and trust. Did it end up working? It seems great, but in practice, things weren't as good as promised. Some problems were being solved, but corruption was still a problem and politics were still getting in the way of actually you know, fighting crime and prosecuting people. The police also still needed reform. Corruption was not as big of a problem as it was for police chiefs or minor bureaucrats, but it was still a problem for low-level jobs like officers and departments in small towns and villages. Of course, things weren't as bad as they were during the military government or the war on drugs, but they certainly could be better then and now. That was incredible. Thanks, Caleb. Despite the fact that with both spikes being only a year apart, it seems like there could have been some connection. Places in Ecuador with the highest crime rates are usually along the coast. On the other hand, a study from 2001 to 2017 shows the highest number of femicides occurred in Pusanayo, Canton, in the Sucumbios province, which is approximately 260 kilometers inland. This was then summed up in a speech made on t- September 27th by President Guillermo Lasso, where he vowed to end violence in Ecuador. 
He met with ministers and deputy officers to discuss new policies and get insights on new proposals to fix the violence that Ecuadorian women face. He is committed to strengthening public policies to abolish gender violence. But didn't they try to make reform policies in the past? How will this be different? I mean, I could see how you could argue that. But the Latina Republic interviewed President Lasso, and he stated he would appoint specialized units. These units will be in charge of protecting women's rights and any crimes in which women would be in danger of abuse, femicide, and any other crimes that result in the mistreatment of women. So he's basically adding resources to an already corrupt government system. Yes, and he says the main problem is structural because this sort of violence towards women has been going on for years. He is putting in new rules and guidelines instead of putting up more funding for the police. He also met with different women's organizations to get insights, and he found that the law cannot be applied without a large budget. Caleb, do you think this could influence any other countries? In the terms of influence on other countries, I think that there is a possibility that it will. But on my list, I think that Brazil would be on the top. Currently, Bolsonaro is the president of Brazil. He is known to be radical, and his response to COVID was lackluster, and his human rights violations are numerous. He also threatened to take over the government multiple times and threatened military violence. He's not a good person for anyone in Brazil currently. He's also made his points about what he thinks about women. He is incredibly sexist. In short, if there is any country that is likely to fall to femicides, I believe that it is Brazil. Also, I would say that Venezuela would be easily influenced by Ecuador's current state and the femicide rates because currently in Venezuela there is plenty of corruption to go around and every 28 hours there is a femicide in that country. In order to understand the problems of today we should gain more historical context about what makes a country and what shapes its culture. So we decided to interview our AP history teacher to give us some background on Ecuador. Could you tell us anything more about the history of Ecuador? So Ecuador, like many other South American, future South American countries, have been under the rule of Spain. Latin America began to declare its independence from Spain, largely through a number of military conflicts. One of the most important leaders during this time was Simón Bolívar, who was going to push for the creation of Gran Colombia, in which is sort of a, a movement to not only throw off Spanish rule, but to create an independent Latin American country and the concept of sort of America as a nationalist sentiment, at least in South America. Ecuador plays a, a role in this because one of the issues with Simón Bolívar's attempt to create Gran Colombia was that different issues about particular states and the borders of those states and the leaders of those states began to fall apart, particularly after Bolívar's death. And Ecuador enters into this scene as well, in which it is sort of trying to gain its independence at the same time as the creation of other Latin American nation states are also trying to take more territory for themselves. So they're sort of called up in both a national as well as a political boundary dispute. And eventually, again, that will that sort of classic problem between those that favor a more conservative government and those that favor a more liberal government over the future of Ecuador is going to divide the country for at least the next hundred or so years, well into the 20th century. Thank you, Mr. Byram. So historically, Ecuador is no stranger to turmoil. 
These protests were started by Maria Bernal's murder, but they're also about police and political corruption and the current state of the justice system. But crucially, they are about women's rights and their freedom. A country of laws to protect one's freedom and rights is a free country, but if women fear being murdered just because they're a female, how free is that country really? Femicide is a real problem in Ecuador, and it's imperative that we do everything we can to stop them, not just in Ecuador, but the world. Femicide is evil we must face. We may not be able to put an end to it now, but that doesn't mean we should stop fighting. The protest in Ecuador shows that people will stand up for themselves, and we need to listen to them. As mentioned, these protests are about police and politics, but they're first and foremost about women's rights. Special shout out to Ms. Fancher for making this all happen and taking really cool pictures of us. And shout out to Mr. Byram for the amazing interview and being so cool. Thank you for listening to our Getting Into Good Trouble podcast about Ecuadorian femicide protests. Make sure to listen to our other episodes. Bye! Bye.